I have a good understanding of where you have, where you are, where you've been. And I want you to know this is not over. This is not it. Many people, including myself, we've come through and so can you. Hi, I'm Abigail Archery and this is Unshakable Stories, Unshakable Truths, where we talk to people about their faith and how it guided them through the best and worst of times, their missions and ministries that were perpetually born out of crisis and how God is using them today to make an unshakable difference. Dr. Rachel Rose Burrell is the founder of Sodzo Therapio, a resource designed to promote, improve and maintain good mental health within faith-based communities through education, training and therapy. She has a passion for empowering people to live life to the fullest with a sound mind, body, soul and spirit. She excels in enabling people to see life and its pressures from a positive perspective. Dr. Rachel is a member of the leadership team at her local church, one of the finest ministries in the UK, Rurak Ministries, and she has developed as well as led an inclusive and holistic well-being service as a psychotherapist. She is driven to empower leaders and people in general to experience life to their full potential. And if that wasn't enough, Dr. Rachel Rose Burrell has also served as our in-house counsellor for my television talk show, Express Yourself. So I am thrilled to have the opportunity to reconnect after many years. Dr. Rachel Rose Burrell, welcome, welcome, welcome. Thanks so much, Abigail. It's wonderful to be with you. Oh, bless you. So before we get going, I want us to start with the Greek translation please, yes. for Sodso Fair Pure. Just break it down to us in terms of what its meaning is. Absolutely. So Sodso, it means to restore spirit, soul, and body, to make whole, preserve, and protect. Mm. And Therapeu means to cure, heal, relieve, and one of my favorite words, worship. Wow. It says it all. That's yeah. power pack. That yeah. really is. you got to start off by telling us what was the catalyst which inspired you to launch so, so, so the therapy, well, I, I, I would say it's a combination of um, events, actually. One, it was being a Christian in a large major, black majority church growing up yep. and hearing of the challenges and emotional difficulties many of my friends were going through, but not really having a place to, to express and talk it through. Also, my nursing career made me have a real appreciation for the just how amazing the human body is and then combining yeah. that with my therapeutic background for me it was a holistic view of the human being so that was important to me and then I as a nurse I was doing a placement a psychiatric placement and all I would say 90% of the patients were black men locked up in a psychiatric ward heavily medicated I had no idea what was going on. I just didn't understand why so many black men were in this institution and, and locked up in this way. So that, that was, a, was a, a kind of, I went on a quest to yeah. try and understand what was going on. And then as I was doing my doctorate, I interviewed um, groups of individuals, focus groups. I did 11 of them. And these, these individuals were black Christians who talked about their experience within the church setting. They loved church, but when they were distressed, 
Many of them talked about how hard it was to find a safe place to go. If they sometimes, if they spoke to their leaders, the leaders would demonize um, their experience or spiritualize it. Spiritualize. Mm. If they went to some therapist, some therapist were anti-God, yeah. anti-church, and you know felt they needed medication as a result because how can you you know give your life to somebody you can't see? So with all of these different angles, if you like, they came together. Often within the interviews, individuals were saying, mm. and we believe leaders need more training. We would, love, we would love them to have more knowledge and skill, be more educated, and for the church environment to be more inclusive and supportive if somebody did have a, a mental health difficulty. And actually the need for partnership working. So for me, Sozotherapeutal combined all those things to create a holistic package that helped to educate, that helped people to have therapy, um, that helped people to have a space to talk and to grow and learn. Yeah. Beautiful. How were you in your quest able to identify that that this indeed was a leading from God? So um, you, you spoke about, you know, we connected many years ago. At that time, I was doing my well, I'm going to say my first attempt at a, a doctorate, actually, it was a PhD. But I wanted to, again, look at particularly um, people from Black and African, African-Caribbean background and how they operate within the church and how they engage with therapy. And I got into a huge, uh, yeah, let's say debate and, <laughs> and difficulty with my then supervisor <laughs> uh, to the point where she just didn't really support what I wanted to do. And in the end, I had to withdraw from the course. Um, and for me, that experience was so traumatic. I've been studying all my life. I love learning. And I've never been in that position before where I had to withdraw from a course, and especially at this that level of academia. So it really wounded me. It really, mm. yeah, it kind of put me off studying for a while. I was so, um, I felt a failure. I felt um, it was too difficult, too hard. Maybe it wasn't the right thing for me. But there was a magnetic pull. Every now and then I felt a, a deep down in me, in me this, this nudge, this forceful prompt. I, I couldn't ignore it. Every now and then it would just surge. And I knew that was the Holy Spirit speaking to me and telling me there's unfinished business. And actually this piece of work I felt was really important. And I think it would make a significant contribution. So much so that I, I did go back, I said, I prayed and I asked God to help me to find the right institution, found the right institution that would accept my study and they were really excited about it to the point, uh, well, I should say that my thesis was on exploring um, the black majority, well, the black majority church and exploring the impact of faith and a faith community on mental health and well-being. And this, this um, thesis was conducted in a very liberal institution. I mean, they are so open to all sorts of things that you, you know, you know, that people would raise their eyebrows at. And actually, I won Amazing. the Derek Portwood Award for my contribution um, to the field of psychotherapy. Uh, I was absolutely blown away. So, what an what an endorsement! Absolutely, that's huge. Absolutely. So that's how I knew this was. God sent, and I had to, I, you just can't get away from that. You just know, 
just know, don't you? You know you have to do it. You know you will not rest. You cannot be at peace until you do what you're supposed to do. So that's how I knew it was definitely. <laughs> and I'm, I'm hoping that this is ministering to someone right now. What you're saying about your journey is resonating with them, that they are experiencing a similar pull of tugging and knowing that there's some unfinished business in what God wants to do with their lives. Right. So now let's look at some myths because yeah. I like to burst a couple of bubbles. <laughs> in your opinion, what are the three typical assumptions often made in regards to people suffering from mental health? We're now talking about it. A decade ago, it was swept under the carpet. We knew there was an issue, but not many people wanted to go there. And in particular, from our community, the African Caribbean community, there's lots and lots of myths around what people think as it relates to spiritualism and spiritualizing things. So what are those typical myths and assumptions? Well, I, I think first of all, we need to all acknowledge that we have mental health as well as physical health. And mental health is just talking about how we think, feel, um, how we process and how we cope, especially when things are difficult. One of the myths I want to, to burst today is that black people are predisposed to developing mental illness, schizophrenia. So, so, so we have some kind of genetic code that makes us um, more um, susceptible to mental illness. I, I, I don't agree with that. Um, for a number of reasons, you will find that people who particularly who emigrate to different countries where they are the minority, they tend some people, some people do tend to develop uh, mental health difficulties. And sometimes that's purely because of the discrimination, the racism, the inequalities that they experience. And how fitting is this now in the in the climate that we're in at Lives Matter, not just the campaign, but the the idea that every, yeah. yes, everybody matters, but actually black people are disproportionately um, affected by all sorts of things um, and the, all the inequalities as well and historical events we can yes. go into, but we, we won't at this stage. So I don't believe that black people are predisposed to developing mental illness. I believe it's just the life conditions <laughs> and the traumas of life, the difficulties, the challenges that actually, um, I think, are the things that need to be looked at. My second myth that I'd like to, to bust is that not all mental illness has a demonic cause. Very good. Yeah, that we know in the Bible, Jesus made it clear. He cast out evil spirits. There were, you know, there was a man living in the tombs. He asked him, what was your name? He said, my name is Legion. And, you know, don't let me um, come out because, you know, I've lived here for many. So he, he Jesus had a conversation with individuals who were clearly dis disturbed, let's say. Okay? Yeah. But there were some individuals who had um, an equally amazing deliverance and um, transformation in their life just through him having a conversation. So there was a man, for example, at the pool of Bethsaida who was in that position, lame, couldn't walk for 30, I think 32 or 36 years, just made his bed there. And Jesus said, what do you want me to do? So he started this conversation, yeah. woman at the well, a conversation. So I just want to bust that because I know in many churches, they tend to go down the route because I think that's due to lack of understanding and lack of um, training possibly in terms of what mental illness is and some causes are, for example, biological. Some people have had, you know, a knock on the head, um, brain injury. Sometimes it is to do with 
you know, blood sugar levels that aren't right or poor management of diabetes. So I'm just saying that, you know, I want people to be open um, and be discerning in terms of what is the cause of um, mental illness. And of course, I want to add to causes is that sometimes people have they smoke weed, marijuana, and, and medication also affects how um, people respond and, and can lead to mental illness. The last one, uh, my third one, is that it is possible, well, people say it is not possible to recover from mental health problems, and I want to say absolutely not true. That is definitely a myth. You can recover from a mental health issue, mental illness, and live a productive, resourceful and successful life. And so just because you have a, a challenge in your mental health does not mean it's over. It just means you need some help. You need to take some time out to get yourself better, just like physical illness. Take your time and you can go on to live a, an abundant life as the Bible um, says you should be living. Dr. Rachel Rose's top three takeaways. People of color are not predisposed to developing mental health illnesses, but rather it's life's own challenges, conditions and traumas that can have a negative impact on an individual's mental health as well as well-being. Not all mental health illnesses are demonically caused. And lastly, there is good news. You can recover from having any mental health issues and live a full, productive, restorative and successful life. Just as Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it in abundance to the full until it overflows. It's easy, isn't it, to spiritualize and demonize everything as a demonic influence. And sometimes it could be a chemical imbalance. Completely agree. And again, some of this is due to lack of knowledge. But also there's a cultural element that we have to acknowledge, which is that depending on where people have come from, so from Jamaica, it might be Abia, from parts of Africa, it's, you know, witchcraft is... You know, these things are intertwined in culture and therefore will color our perspective and our interpretation of what we see. But actually, when somebody is uh, having some kind of mental health illness, often it is connected to some event, some psychological, emotional event, some trauma even that has happened in their life. And I think if you, like Jesus, start to have a caring conversation yeah you may be able to get some understanding of the root cause and then does and it sometimes requires not just one approach sometimes you require you need the spiritual the psychological and even medic medical intervention um family intervention love is so important you know a person needs to be loved and supported through their difficulties and so For me, a holistic approach means exactly that. It's so good. What's one thing you want everyone listening to know? Yeah, oh my gosh, how do you say one thing? But the most important thing, and you've emphasized it too, Abigail, is that we all have mental health uh, and physical health. And actually, you can't separate the two. So 
if you are physically unwell, it's going to affect you emotionally and, and psychologically and, and, and the other way around as well. And the thing I want to really impress upon your listeners today is that the scripture also talks about our mental health and well-being. I just want to quickly draw your Please. attention 3 John 1 verse 2, where it says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. And prosper means to succeed. And health means to be kind of like, you know, that saying, safe and sound, to have us be sound in health um, and in body, yeah. to be whole. And when we hear that word soul, that your soul prospers, it's talking about our spirit, our heart, our life and our mind. So our spirit, our heart, life, mind can't even be separated, you know. So it's saying that the scripture wants us to succeed in our health. And then there's another one which I, I can't pass. It's First Thessalonians 5 verse 23. And it's talking about, this is the scripture that brings these three, these three elements of human beings together in one scripture. It says, I pray the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved. Fantastic. And that word preserved there, I think, is really important because it means to guard from loss or injury properly, keeping an eye on, watch or keep. If we break it down, what that is saying is we all have a personal responsibility to guard our health and our well-being from injury. We have to keep an eye on it. That's the, that's what the word preservation means. Keep an eye on it. We have to keep watch. We have to uh, make sure it's important and a priority hmm. because we quote these scriptures, you know, love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul. It also says with all your mind. And it's impossible, therefore, if we are not looking after our mind to really yeah. fully serve God and to receive the full benefits of what being a Christian really has for us. My, my, my. I have to throw this in there. So could you give us one example where the word of God, scripture says we should renew our minds daily? Yeah. How can one begin to do that on a practical level? Yes. I mean, I love the fact that the Bible has psychological principles. Lots of, you know, psycholo psychology has these. So we have, for example, yes, Romans 8, verse 1 and 2. And it says, be, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing right. of your mind. Now, this this is, um, uh, there's an actual therapy called cognitive behavioral therapy that is built on these principles. That if you can, if you have negative thinking, for example, and therefore in cognitive behavioral therapy, negative thinking leads to negative feelings, which therefore leads to negative behavior. And what the therapy does, it starts to work with those negative thoughts, those negative beliefs. So I'm not good enough. I'm ugly. I'm never going to make it. I'm worthless. Those types of um, negative words. And, and what it does, it, it says, OK, what evidence do you have to um, prove that, that, that those statements are correct? So the thinking becomes statements. So let, what evidence have you got that proves those statements are true? And then it says, OK, what evidence do you have that actually that may not be so true? So evidence that it's not so true is actually you've got lots of friends. Actually, in the workplace, you're very successful. Actually, um, if we were to interview your, your family, they would say you're amazing. So it's about evidence. Uh, what, what, what is in your life that either supports what you're saying or disproves what you're saying? And, and then there's something about repeating so the positive words. So 
the, the Bible also in Philippians 4 verse, I think it's 4 or 8, <laughs> it talks about whatsoever things are lovely, good, pure, you know, of good report. It tells us the things that will help us to renew our mind and therefore transform our lives. So, yeah, I just want to put, put that in as well. Thank you so much. We're just going to take a quick, brief break. We'll be right back after this. I hope you are enjoying today's episode as we dive into the topic of mental health. Today's verse can be found in 3 John chapter 1, verse 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. And now, back to our interview. So Dr. Rachel Rose, because I know the type of work you do is about helping people experience that holistic well-being. And often in the profession of helping people, we often ourselves go through encounters of suffering, disappointment that help us in a way, help people even the more so. Could you walk us through a page in your life, as it were, that helped you to deepen your understanding of suffering and in a way shape the way that you did ministry and how you related to clients? Really big question. Like everybody I would imagine who's listening today or most people listening today, I have a story, uh, just just like they have a story. So I, um, I'm coming from a background of abuse, being stalked, victimized, lied, finan- lied on financial problems, um, and all the other things in terms of life, um, in terms of failure and disappointment, rejection and all those sorts of things. But the thing I suppose might be um, relatable to many of our listeners out there is relationships. So I was married married for eight years, uh, still trying to complete the doctorate um, at the same time. And my um, husband decided, OK, he didn't want to to continue with our marriage. And so we broke up in the middle of um of me trying to complete my study but it actually came when he did that it came three days after um, my workplace had said we are restructuring and um i was going to lose my job in that, that process so i had this massive this double whammy if you like of loss of job that i, I loved my job but, and i would never have probably have left that job, um, really enjoyed my team and um, was managing a counselling service within a, an educational institution and it was going very, very well. So the breakup meant that I had to leave my home. I actually became homeless for a little bit because I had nowhere to go and was staying in my sister's, in my nephew's little box bedroom. He had to give up his bedroom. I was there for a, a long time. I was working for jobs. Then when I did eventually find somewhere temporarily, uh, all I can say is the home started to fall apart. The building and things with it, it just started to fall apart around me. Nothing would go right. Um, at the same time, I'm still trying to study. This is, we call it a vision. Um, and this is um, something that the Lord gives us. It's something that we birth. So I'm trying to keep this vision alive. Um, yeah. And, you know, it. It, it was horrendous, so distressing. My life fell apart. And actually, it was a case of starting again. And I actually didn't know whether I could or I had it in me to start again. But 
It, it is amazing, you know, how I didn't know I could, I, I didn't know I was so physically strong. I mean, I had to move all kinds of furniture and I moved most of it by myself. I believe the Lord gave wow. me supernatural strength. I didn't know I was good, for example, at carpentry and DIY. Yeah. I didn't want to get involved in any of that stuff. And I was a, I was always a kind of bigger picture kind of person, but I had to teach myself to read detail. And so hmm. this trauma, yes, it almost broke me. I lost, I can say I lost everything apart from my mind and my faith. Those two things, oh God, yes. I think whatever we go through in life, if you have your mind intact and you have your faith intact, you know, the, the scripture says, uh, greater is he that is in me that is in the world, but also there's more with you than uh, against you. You know, as long as the Lord, I got strength, I got direction. I saw the favor of the Lord, you know, when it should have cost me, I don't know, thousands, it cost me hundreds. When... Um, I, I, I got a, a removal company, just little things like I got a removal company and they said, you know, normally would we, you know, we would be charging so much for so many hours and you've got so much stuff, but they worked, you know, I don't know, 15 hours just to make sure I was okay. I mean, I, I, I really believe the word of the Lord um, was, was my rock. Um, I had to, I had to really um, focus on the word. I had to focus on prayer um, and my faith. I had to make sure my faith in God did not move. And I think this is important because when when trouble comes, we tend to ask God, "Where are you?" But I was absolutely sure and clear in my mind, God was with me. Uh, I, that was unwavering. And we have to make sure that when we go through difficulties, that we don't start to doubt. We don't doubt God just because it goes wrong does not mean God is in it. And I think all of these, I didn't feel some people say God was testing me, but I think I was testing my faith. I, I had to make sure this thing was real and it came through for me. And so powerful. Yeah, so that's, that's how I got through it. And, you know, it has not been easy. And I want to say to men and women out there, young people, of course, life is not easy, but I'm telling you, if you, if you actually believe the, the scriptures, if you believe the things, the messages that you hear, this is when it comes into its own. You've got to make those scriptures. You've got to make those preaching and teaching that you, you've got to make those songs come alive in your life and hold on to them. And I'm guaranteed. God will Indeed, 100 percent. What a uh, it's just amazing because I just think listening to you speaks hope to me. And I'm hoping that it's speaking hope to somebody listening today who just needed to hear your story to give them that that confidence to know that yeah 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 don't give up don't give up what role can reframing make in the life of a sufferer so another term for reframing i would say is renaming your experience and it's amazing because the scriptures actually teach us to reframe uh, you know it's all there um it, it's scriptures like no weapon formed against me shall prosper. He who began the good work in me, he's able to finish it. Um, you know, that there is always hope in the scriptures. And, and, and the Bible says, you know, no matter how bad it looks, the, the Lord says, I'm with you. You're never alone. And so I, I think it's really important for us to 
understand there is always a bigger picture. There is no um, key um, individual in the Bible who did not experience some kind of suffering. I can't find anybody. I can't find anybody. But So we have to understand that suffering is part of the Christian journey. And actually, there is a scripture that says we have fellowship with Christ. It brings us closer to him, actually, when we suffer. It's not designed, suffering is not actually designed to destroy us or to drive a wedge between us and God. It is actually supposed to draw us closer. It's supposed to make us more desperate for him, more trusting of him, more um, in need of him. And so, um, uh, so often I talk about optical illusions, you know, optical illusions, they appear to be one thing when you look at them at first. The picture looks clear. It looks as though, OK, that's just a picture of a tree. But with, when, with optical illusions, often if you just look at it from a different angle or step cl- closer or step back, <laughs> you'll actually find, yeah. oh, my gosh, it's actually something else. And I'm learning with God. There's always something else that actually what I went through connects me exactly with what you're saying, Abigail. It deepens your understanding of human um, suffering, human challenges. It helps you understand pain in a different way, actually makes you more effective as you minister. So you can say to people, look, I have a good understanding of where you have, where you are, where you've been. And I want you to know this is not over. This is not it. Many people, including myself, we've come through. And so can you. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. Now, you alluded to this earlier on in the program about churches. And I, and I know we applaud churches because they've come a long way. Globally, we've come a long way. And certainly during the last three and a half months, I do applaud every pastor out there. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you on <laughs> that. My gosh. Enough. Just to see the body of Christ rise up in this time of what's been a crisis, a COVID crisis. So we've come a long way. However, there's still, as they say in America, there's still a ways to go. So in terms of grasping the, because I know with mental health, it's a quite a complex, it's multifaceted and there are a number of different complexities that are behind the frame of the framework of mental health. But in your professional opinion, what more do you feel could be done? And what is your dream for the kingdom, essentially? Well, Sons of Therapy is definitely a kingdom project. And For me, I would love churches to embrace training, mental health awareness training. Um, I've partnered with um, Evangelical Alliance and places like the News Organization, Kingdom Arc, where we, and also, maybe I should also say, I have created a um, church-based therapy forum, so where churches have counseling services attached to them, I've brought in those heads of services and say, let's let's share our knowledge. Let's let's join together. Let's even cross refer. If I, if somebody comes to me, they don't want to um, be seen by a therapist in my church. Let let me refer them to you. And so we're trying. I'm trying to develop networks. And I think churches are stronger with others rather than as individuals. I also would love churches to look inward. Many of our um, mental health nurses are um, are black <laughs> from, from African mm. and African Caribbean mm. backgrounds. Yeah, and I would yeah. say to our leaders, look in your church and speak to 
your congregants who have mental health training or backgrounds, medical mm. or mental health um, backgrounds, where they can assist in helping you um, produce a uh, or develop a conducive, compassionate and informed um, environment within your church. So use the expertise within your church and partner with other organizations that are doing it well. I also feel that I've got a passion for leaders and to empower leaders and equip leaders. And for me, um, the message from the pulpit is really important. If you're saying that mental health is demonic, then everybody in the pew will believe that. So our leaders are really powerful, really influential, you know, and they can set the tone for how um, mental health is dealt with in the church. So I would really like them to be, once they're informed, to, to have those um, open statements from the pulpit, you know, talk about depression, talk about anxiety, talk about help being available, talking about you don't have to suffer in silence and that we care. And so that that attitude then is sort of um, rip, has a ripple effect through the through the pews. And so therefore, we're reducing the stigma and um, discrimination and, you know, really want everybody to embrace this idea of a, a compassionate, supportive church environment. And, you know, again, to partner with other churches who are doing it right and to, you know, um, you know gain resources um, to, to help inform their leadership teams. I would, I would love to see that happen and to be part of that. Uh, it's a brilliant approach. And I'm, I'm super excited because um, the time is now. It's always been, but it's really intimate at the moment. And I love that sort of a framework of approach where you're creating this database, this network where you can bring churches together, organizations together and pull from the resources. That's just ph phenomenal. As we sort of wind this conversation to a close, unfortunately, just maybe just again, just teasing you a little bit, share with us about those one or two uh, bestowed training packages and workshops that you've designed to equip leaders on best practice? So I've um, created um, a number of um, manuals, mental health awareness training for churches, counselling skills for partners and leadership teams. Um, I'm, I'm working on three others, conflict management ministry teams, renewed mind, transformed life, exactly what we were talking about, changing negative thinking and building self-esteem for young people. And um, I've turned two of those um, into a training package that I can deliver to churches. Um, mental health awareness training for churches. It looks at what mental health is, what mental illness is, looks at the common problems and causes, looks at how what the Bible says about mental illness, how um, leaders and church members can identify, assist and refer someone, how to manage um, suicide and self-harm and um, how to manage mental health distress, generally, generally speaking. And then counselling skills for church pastors and church leaders. Counselling skills is really enhanced communication skills. So we look at what the Bible has to say about communication. We really look at what those key skills are, the listening skills, the um, how you, as you say, reframe, how you engage, how you even start the conversation, gives you all those sorts of what questions to ask, what not to ask. It looks at how you um, deal with risk and how you even look at your own awareness, your own awareness, the messages and the communications that you give off, 
because we also speak with our bodies and our face and nonverbals. And if you don't look approachable, then people are less likely to want to talk to you about personal issues. So we talk about communication styles, barriers to communication. We also talk about misuse of power within the church, how people can use words, um, spiritual abuse, it's called actually, how words can be damaging to people especially with mental health um, difficulties. So we look at ways that people can have the more effective conversations. So as we wrap this conversation up with a lovely bow on top, <laughs> can you give us your final thoughts? And in addition, how can anyone listening connect with you online? Yeah. So my final thoughts to you are, please take your mental health, your well-being people prefer that word, your well-being, take it seriously, really invest in it, do the basics, eat healthily, hydration, sleep properly. I know we're coming out of lockdown, it's been difficult for many people, but I'm hoping that you've spent some time reflecting on the things that are good for you, the things that are helpful to you. And again, going back to that thing, don't allow your dream to die, don't allow that calling, that vision the Lord has given you, don't let it die, revive it again. Just um, um, start again, dust off those books, dust, dust off the journaling, you know, and, and begin to pray about it and ask God to guide you to bring the right people. Educate yourself around health and well-being. There's a lot of information out there, but just keep it simple. And also journaling is important. Creative therapy. Lots of you are good with your hands. You know, you make things. All of these things are important. And I would also say it's good to talk. It's good to talk. Don't the, the, the thing about mental illness and be, there being so many of our black and um, black people in mental health system is that they enter that they enter the system at crisis point. So I'm saying to people, please don't allow things to build up to the point where you lose control. You lose your mind because, like we said, you, we need your mind and your faith to work for you. So you have to look after yourself. And so those are my key things for you. By all means, if you want to make contact with me, then please um, email me at info at sozotherapeur.com or um, rbarellm at outlook.com. Either one of those emails, I'll be happy to um, hear from you and respond to you accordingly. And I hope that you've received something today that was useful and helpful. Dr. Rachel Rose, honestly, it's more than an honor to connect with you um, again in this new way because I'm used to having you on a set and doing television with you. I'm just so proud, if I may say it in this way, I'm so proud just to see what God is doing with you as you trailblaze for the kingdom, a very needed ministry. Well, thank you. Thank you. And of course, same to you and to the work that you're doing. Of course, if we go back to your television show, you were pioneering back then. And it's wonderful to know that, you know, in all sorts of different ways, we are still trying to help the kingdom and to do what it's called us to do. So thank you. You're welcome. And as we begin to land and bring this conversation to a close, I want to rehash what Dr. Rachel Rose Burrell's three important words were. Don't give up. Don't give up on your dreams. Don't give up on those aspirations that you have. Don't give up on your gifting. Don't give up on your calling. When God is with you, he will take what you consider to be a mess. And that's right, turn it into a message. 
Please do share this episode on your various platforms and within your community because you just don't know who will need to hear this at a particular point in time. And of course, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to this again and make lots of good notes. If you're in ministry, you're working with young people or adults, we are in the journey of helping people become the best version of themselves to the glory of God. So this is really important information that was shared. And if you are keen to connect with Dr. Rachel Rose Burrell, please do reach out to her by way of email. All the information will be on the show notes because the work that she is doing is awesome and it will be an incredible blessing to get in contact with her and see what you can do to advance the kingdom in the area of mental wellness. I'll catch you same time, same place next week. Until then, remain blessed. Thank you for listening to Unshakable Stories, Unshakable Truths. If you enjoyed this, please subscribe and grace us with a rate and a review. If you would like to feature on the show or you wish to recommend someone, please drop us a line, unshakablestories2020 at gmail.com or reach out to us online. We will connect with you again next week, same time, same place. Until then, God bless.